You're listening to the Jesus Habit Podcast, where we use scripture and science to make your new nature in Christ second nature. Episode 130, where we talk about the context and the story world of your journey. Hey, hey, here we go. We are rolling, rolling, rolling. All right, so we've already covered a lot of ground in season three of the Jesus Habit podcast. There's a lot more I have to say about all this stuff. That's why I keep talking. I wasn't an only child, but I do talk to myself a lot. When you boil it down, uh, I, I spend a lot of time in my office talking out loud with no one listening. But fortunately, people are listening to the podcast, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. Seriously, thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, we've got, we're, we're growing, getting, getting more people listening to the podcast. So um, if, you, if you don't mind, I always appreciate it when you go over to iTunes or Spotify or whatever and leave a good five-star review. If you're going to leave a one-star review, I guess I have to honestly say that's okay, but I'd prefer you just kind of keep that to yourself. But if you need to, go ahead and do it. Anyway... Um, and then, you know, spread the word. If, if you if you know people who are wanting to change, if you know Christians who have wanted to deal, you know, with a problem there and they've just seem stuck and, and they want to get through, you know, through the season where they're stuck and they want to change something, you know, tell them to come on over and check out, especially season three. And I would love to help them with that. And, and as usual, if you have questions about anything I say during the podcast, any of the resources I mentioned, send an email to David at thejesushabit.com and I'll get back to you. David at thejesushabit.com. These episodes are also posted at thejesushabit.com. So that's how you figure out and find information about me. Now, so, you know, last week we were talking about a, a crucial component for change. We were talking about social motivation, how you have to have the right people around you if you want to change. If you've got the wrong influences, then you're going to have a hard time. So we were saying that you need a guide, a sidekick, and a squad. You need, you need a guide or a coach, someone who knows how to get you where you're trying to go. You need a sidekick, someone who's going to walk the journey with you. And you need, you need a squad, someone who's going to encourage you and be there, maybe not as, as, as intensely with you as your sidekick, but still with you. And then you should expect to find antagonists, tempters and skeptics, people people who are going to work against you, people who are going to try to tempt you out of the change that you're working towards, and then skeptics, people who just don't believe you can change. Those are those are the people to look out for and you know so you want to minimize your contact with that group and maximize your content, maximize your time with your guide, your sidekick and your squad. All right, so but this week we're gonna, we're going to turn the corner to the third key component. So we've talked about uh, some content, we've talked about the community which was last week, and now I want to dig a little bit deeper into the context. The context. Now, I don't know what you know about you know plants, and I, you know I should have should have looked all this up beforehand. And you know me, I don't do that kind of stuff. I say that all the time on the podcast. I should have looked this up. I should have. I should if I was if this was a good research podcast, you know, with lots of sources, I'd be telling you my sources, and, and there are sources. Um, but there was a biosphere. And I think it was Arizona State University that did it, or the University of Arizona. I think it was somewhere in Arizona, if I remember. 
but they 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 basically built a huge dome and they grew plants in this in this dome right and what they discovered was that the dome was really good it really helped accelerate the growth of the plants but there was a there was a key problem right they, they were growing trees i can't remember what species of trees they were growing but they were growing these trees in this dome and they would grow fast and look healthy, but then eventually they would collapse in on themselves. They would just fall over. They, you know, and they were confused by this because these trees normally grow much, much bigger uh, when they're out in the real world. And so they researched it, and what they determined was the problem was the environment didn't have enough wind, and trees need wind to blow against them and, and cause them to kind of twist and turn so that they can develop strength to be able to stand through storms, right? So if you don't have the right environment, including things like wind to stress test you, then when a storm comes along, it just it just blows you over. And eventually you might grow so big, so fast, that you can't support your own weight, right? And that's what was happening to these trees. They would grow too big, too fast, and they wouldn't be able to support their own weight. So today we're talking about environment and, and our environment or the context that we're living, the context of our life, right? The, the place where, where we're doing this, this process has to be the right kind of environment that supports us. And, and at the same time, we also need, as crazy as it sounds, we need the wind to blow against us, right? We need a supportive environment, yes. Definitely. We absolutely need a supportive environment, a, a context that, that is conducive to the kind of change we're trying to achieve. But at the same time, in appropriate amounts, we need to be, we need to be exposed to wind. We, we, need, we need stress tests. We need things that are blowing in our lives that, that seem to be working against us. That are at this that are actually doing performing a crucial role of making us stronger, right? The problem comes when those get out of balance. When you have when you have too little support and too much stress, right? If you have too little support and 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 too much stress, you know you could be a young tree, and, and theoretically you have a long life ahead of you. But if you have you know, if you've grown, you know, you know, a tree may be grown two or three years, but you have a really strong wind that comes and blows too hard against the tree. The tree does not yet have the strength to support itself, and it, and it blows over and ends up, you know, at least damaged, right? Um, but if you've, if you've got enough support, if you transplant a tree, right? If you, I don't know if you've ever transplanted a tree. I've transplanted a lot of trees trying to grow, trying to put together an orchard. If I could keep the elk... And the deer out of my orchard, we'd have fruit by now, but I digress. That's not really the point. Anyway, when you transplant a tree, you've got this big tree growing up you know, above the ground, four, five, six feet. And if you have, if it's not well secured in the ground, and if you don't have some stakes sometimes holding it and supporting it, and you have a strong wind that comes and blows along, you can actually blow the plant out of the ground and uproot it. Those things do happen. So you have to have enough support, and you have to have the right amount of stress. Okay? That's it. I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> There's more to it. Now, our environment has to be a part of the motivation. The environment we live our lives in has to, in, in the right ways, motivate us towards the goal. And at the same time, our environment can't be fighting too hard against us. One of the examples I use is that, you know, if you, if you want to eat fewer cookies and the place that you keep the cookies is on the end table next to your spot on the couch, if you don't move the cookies, you're going to have a hard time resisting the cookies because how your brain works, this is how your brain is wired to function, it creates habits and it creates a habit loop. And the more times your brain goes through this loop, the, the more ingrained the habit gets into your life. So uh, when we're trying to, to eradicate old habits, we have, to, we have to interrupt them somehow, right? And so if you don't move that bag of cookies, that old habit's just going to kick in. And before you know it, you've already eaten a cookie and you, you haven't even thought about it. And now you just regret it. So if, if you want to break that habit, you have to change the environment. You have to interrupt the existing habit loop that's, that's giving you the wrong results, that's helping you do the wrong thing. You have to interrupt that loop. So you have to look at your environment critically, not negatively, but critically, and, and determine, is my environment the problem? Is my environment tripping me up? Is my environment the thing that's keeping me from attaining my goal? Now, we have a huge elephant in the room that we have to address when it comes to environment, and that is your phone. Your phone is like a little, a little digital environment that is literally shaping you. It is, a, it is a, an incredibly powerful discipleship or transformational tool. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous how much that little device influences your life. The same is true for your computer, but we don't have our computers with us generally at all times like we have our phones. Our phones have become big detrimental things that, that can really um, upend the progress we want to make when it comes to changing something in our lives. It's, it's a culture formation, to, like uh, it's just, I mean, a spiritual formation, cultural formation, a life formation, I mean, at, at, a, at a massive scale tool. I mean, it works against you in so many ways, you don't even realize it. So, so much dangerous potential to reshape your mind on that phone. If you're not paying attention to it, it can literally destroy your life. Literally, actually destroy your life happens all the time. Now, so if you want to change, you're not just going to have to look at your physical environment, you're going to have to look at your digital environment, right? And going back to some of what we talked about last week with the right people, you know, in your social network, you know, are you around people on your social media accounts that are going to hold you back? Do you have too many antagonists, tempters, and skeptics in your social media circles, in your digital circles that are going to wreak havoc? If you do, you got to deal with that. That's, so that's part of your digital environment, right? At the same time, you know, maybe, you know, you just, we'll just stick with Facebook for simplicity. You know, maybe a lot of the pages you liked are, are like, if you're trying to lose weight and, and, uh, you know, you've spent your whole life like me loving junk food. And so you like pages on, on there like Doritos. I don't like Doritos page on Facebook. At least I don't think I'm not entirely certain, but I don't think I like the Doritos Facebook page. I could be wrong. 
but you know, you, you imagine you can see what I'm saying. You got you like you like the Doritos page. You like the uh, you like the Dairy Queen page. You you like the uh, you know all the the local restaurants and coffee shops and Crutch Brothers and Starbucks and all these things. Your environment's going to work against you, and you're going to find yourself struggling to change because you're constantly putting in front of you in your environment temptation. It's just like it's just like the bag of cookies and and what how your digital device, how your digital environment works is that they they tempt you with something and they you know they create this habit loop which they're really good at doing uh, with social media and with technology uh, at triggering a habit loop and and what you're going to want to do when you see that thing when you're thinking about that frappuccino that caramel frappuccino from Starbucks now the idea is planted in your mind and you're going to want to go to Starbucks and get your caramel frappuccino right so your digital environment works against you uh, you know, uh, there could be a lot of things about your digital environment that are going to be a problem. A lot of things about your physical environment that are going to be a problem. You know, if you're if you're struggling with with not moving enough, you need more exercise. But your whole digital, your whole environment in your home is built around sitting and on the couch and watching TV, like many, if not most, uh, homes are these days. Then you're going to have to change that environment to make it harder to watch TV if you want to do more physical activity. Right? We have to take a, a critical look at our environments and see what it's doing. We also need to ask ourselves, what are we going to lose if we fail? What will we gain if we succeed? Part of this has to do with rewards. Now, um, like uh, Joseph Grinney in his book, The Influencer Book that I've talked about so many times, he talks about inverting the, the economy or changing the economy. And what he means by that is we have to look at, you know, there's an economy in your life, not just like the economy of the United States or the world or whatever that's, you know, everyone talks about all the time, but, but there's a, there's a basic economy for your life. You know, when you do something, uh, you, you generally do that thing because of what you get out of doing that thing. That is an economy. You go to work because you get paid to go to work. You go to work because you want to live and, you you want, as uh, Dave Ramsey says, you want to eat and sleep indoors. So you go to work so you earn money so you can eat and sleep indoors. That's an economy, right? There are all kinds of economies that exist. And, and um, you know, there, there are reward systems set up in our homes that are rewarding the current behavior we're, we're, we're uh, rewarding and, and experiencing in our lives. Like we talked about the systems... Uh, that we have in our lives are perfectly designed to give us the results we're currently getting. So if we want to change something, we really have to change the whole system, and that's part of the environment we have to change. So we need to in- invert the economy, and what, what that means is that instead of re- you know, letting the rewards that we get for the, for the detrimental behavior that we want to change continue, we have to figure out a way to reward ourselves for the behavior we want to see happen in our lives. Now, this can be dangerous, because um, part of the problem with rewards, and I can't remember if this is in Grinny's book or where else this was, but part of the problem with, with rewards, if the reward is too, too much of a focus, like if the reward is too tangible, then the problem is once you attain that reward, you have the potential to give up because that was the point. The point was earning the reward. So, for example, if you say, I want to lose 10 pounds, and if I lose 10 pounds by the end of the year, then I will buy myself a boat. That seems like a little extravagant, but maybe it's a little toy boat. I don't know, uh, a, a, a remote control boat that you can take out to the lake. Maybe that's a little better one. 
I don't know who wants a remote control boat these days, but let's just go with that. So you, you say, well, I, if I if I succeed at losing 10 pounds, I'm going to buy myself a remote control boat so I can go play at the lake with my re- little remote control boat. Well, uh, you do it, you achieve your goal, you get the boat, and you go out and play with your boat, but then once you've received the reward, then there's nothing left pushing you to keep doing what you did to lose the 10 pounds, right? That's why that's why rewards can be detrimental. So we have to be careful about the rewards. The reward can't be too important. And the best rewards are intrinsic rewards. They are things you get out of the actual process of transformation you go through. So for instance, you know, a reward, you know, for for getting healthier, getting in better shape would be, you know, I want to uh, you know, I want to have more energy. I want to I want to not be so tired all the time. I want to be you know, I want to not just, you know, you know, come home and sit on the couch. I want to experience the world, the light, you know. And, and so, you know, the the experiencing of the world around us and and all those things, the, those can become the reward that we actually get as a result of doing those things. So it's a little complicated. I unfortunately I don't have a good answer on, on how to how to pick a really good intrinsic reward. But with some time, I'm convinced that you can come up with an intrinsic reward that is something that you want that's related to what you're trying to do and change. So last thought about this is is your environment. And I want to come back to the idea of story, because if you've read stories, if you've watched movies, and a critical component, even TV shows, sitcoms like The Office, uh, have this component. They call it the story world. So The Office is a fake show, right? It's not real, but they did a great job of creating this world of The Office, right? And you believed, we all believed, that, that Dunder Mifflin actually existed somewhere in Scranton, and and they did such a good job creating this world that 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 there's a there's a whole movement, a, a ridiculous movement around Dunder Mifflin till this day, right? Well, there is a there's a story world that we're all living in, and and the story of of the the world that we're living our story in will either su- support or submerge our journey. It will it will either support our journey or it'll submerge our journey. Now let's go to the office really quickly because this will help make sense. Now, you've got the office that's happening in Dunder, Dunder Mifflin and it's in an office building. Now, take the same characters, take you know Jim and Dwight and Pam and Michael and, and all those characters with the same goal, the same task of working in, in Dunder Mifflin Paper Company and, 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 and selling paper and not you know letting their branch get closed down, all those things, but you take it out of the office itself, the office world, Put it into, uh, just for fun, a football stadium. Put them out on the field of a football stadium, and, and now they're supposed to be doing the same thing. The problem is a football stadium that's not in a covered dome, you know, an outdoor football stadium, it's not going to be conducive to selling paper, to uh, creating an environment where the, where the salesmen and women are comfortable enough to be able to, to, to sell the paper, where paper can be stored without being destroyed. You know, it, you've got so much open space, it doesn't create you know, necessarily great spaces for dialogue. The story world would actually start to work against the story of the office. The same is true for our lives. If we want to change, our, our world that we are living our story in has to support the journey that we're on. So... You have to, we have to pay 
you know, careful attention to the world we're living these transformation stories in. Otherwise, they will submerge our story. But if we do it right, they'll actually support our journey. And because we are supported in this journey by the world, because we've got the right friends and because we're learning the right content, we've got our guide, our sidekick, our squad, and the right rewards and all this stuff, we're going to find that we're actually able to succeed and change. I'll come back next week. We've got a lot more to talk about. www.thejesushabit.com